that can mix it up and then on defensively again an interior defense with von miller and, and and aaron donald give me that defense all day long i'll take my chances with that defense and jalen ramsey in in in, in the secondary give me that defense all day long I, i'll take my chances i roll the dice with that opulent inventory our proud partners here on the show from iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome, welcome, everyone, back here to the Sebi Podcast radio show, streaming here on WNSC Radio. Myself, my ride partner, Michael Gray, back at it yet again. Yes, yes, we're on the air. Season four, episode four of our great show today, Mike. Very unusual. We're doing this on a weekend. Uh, kickoff here for the NFL games, just about less than an hour away. But we've got a special, special episode with you guys. We'll go ahead and name the uh mysterious guest that we have today later on but mike yet again we're looking forward to thanksgiving weekend and thanksgiving week coming up this season how are you today my man all good brother yeah we got a special guest for him today i think they're gonna really like this one i'm doing i'm doing very well though man everything's uh everything's coming into place everything's moving at a fast pace doing very well everything's good on this side how about you man everything is going well thanksgiving a certain person got a birthday with that as well so we're looking forward oh man yeah happy belated man well, no, not no, it's, it's next weekend. So oh, next weekend. Okay. Well, happy early birthday, brother. I appreciate that. Appreciate that there for sure. But nevertheless, let's get right into it with the NFL. A lot of things that's been going on, Mike. We missed last week's episode due um, to unfortunate circumstances, but we're back in the air, Mike. I want to get your reactions by what we saw in Week Ten and going into Week Eleven today, and what should we be expecting? What what's caught your eye thus far? Man, we should be expecting, and I'm excited, we should be expecting potentially the game of the year today at 425, taking place at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Everything that's happened uh, in the first 11 weeks of the season has prepared us for a game and a moment that we're, that we're going to see tonight. That's the biggest game to me of the weekend. You have the Cowboys who are coming in rolling. You know, they're just a formidable team. You have the Chiefs who started off slow. But they've started to pick up their flow over the last couple of weeks, especially last week with, the, you know, that blowout win against uh, Las Vegas. So I'm really looking forward to this Cowboys versus Chiefs game. Uh, it's huge. I, I, like, I like the way they've been playing on both sides of the ball the last few weeks the Chiefs have. And we know how formidable the Cowboys are. So it's going to be a bomb burn. That's the biggest 
game I'm looking at this weekend. Absolutely, absolutely, for sure. Can you believe it, Mike? I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about a team that wanted to answer the bell? They that that's what you call a bounce back. Mm-hmm. Then you by the Denver Broncos one week, you come back and you put up 36 at half on the board. That's how you answer your critics and your naysayers. That's how you answer people that is saying the same old Cowboys coming yet again. They absolutely put it on the Falcons, dominated both sides of the football. Offensive line, defensive line, Micah Parsons has been a menace, Mike, a beast down mm-hmm. in that line. And then, of course, Trayvon Diggs, NFL leading eight pick against Matt Ryan last week. So now this defense is going to be challenged, Mike, because from what we saw from the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not ready to say that they're back yet, but I, I thought that they, 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 they started getting their swagger back. Now it helps with the Raiders, how the Raiders played them, because we've seen this year that, you know, they've struggled against two-man and cover two. But if, if it's man-to-man, they exploit that with Travis Kelsey, who's a mismatch, and, Tra- and also Tyreek Hill, who's a mismatch. That's how they torch the Raiders. So it's going to be interesting to me because Dan Quinn loves playing one-man robber and man-to-man around the board. Is he going to copy what the league has done and play zone against Patrick Mahomes and make him hold that ball and think and throw in tight windows? Or is he going to get greedy and stay in his personnel and play man-to-man? That's going to be interesting today because I think that that's going to be the telling story of today. Whichever quarterback plays better, ultimately will win the football game. And time of possession as well. Who's ever, whoever's able to keep the opposing quarterback off the field is going to be crucial in key to the moments. Which team comes in with that game plan and which team is able to execute it uh, the best? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's for sure. I'm, I'm ready to watch this one. Like 425 Eastern at Arrowhead. Barbecue yep. City is the place to be. Any predictions, Mike? What are you looking at? Oh, for this game, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the the, the Chiefs winning a shootout. I believe it's going to be somewhere in the 30s, late 20s. Uh, the D, I think it's going to be some solid defensive play on both sides. Usually, when you have a game that's that that's presenting two high-powered offenses, and you know the the, the quarterbacks are the main talk of the, of the town throughout the entire week uh, leading up to it. Usually, the defenses know take notice to that, and we usually see the best version of them. So, I expect this game to be a little bit more uh, a little bit more defense in this game than anticipated coming in. However, I still do anticipate that in the end, the final score probably will come down to not only who has the ball last, but who's able to potentially put up 30 points on the opposing defense. Absolutely. So I, I, would, I, would go with the, I would go with the Chiefs on that, Patrick Mahomes. I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys, and here's why. The Dallas Cowboys aren't the Raiders, right? So on offense, you've got Michael Gallup, who's in here now. You've got uh, Wilson. You've also got CeeDee Lamb and Mamari Cooper. Together. I believe the Dallas Cowboys, opposite of the Buccaneers, have the best receiving core in the NFL. Then you have to account for Zeke and Pollard in the backfield. So this is a different test for the uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense. Last week, you could key in on Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. You've got uh, galore weapons for Dak Prescott to live in. I've never seen a guy in command like he is at this point, I think the Dallas Cowboys will be able to move the football. They'll be able to get field goals. They'll be able to get points and score Tia touchdowns. And then the defense, although the defense isn't going to be, uh, you know, wow you like Matt Ryan did last week, I do think they're opportunistic, Mike. And the more possessions they give that offense, if it's a fumble, if it's an interception, that's more possessions for Dak Prescott. And I believe they are able to 
used and run out the clock and keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline with Zeke and Pollard. I think they'll be able to run a football. I think they'll be able to be opportunistic in the play-action game. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys, Mike. And I think this is important for the Cowboys because you look at the first 10 weeks, what happened, Mike? They're 7-2 and two up to this point. This means nothing if they don't win today. All these 7-2, and yeah. two, all of this record that, that, that they've had thus far has to prepare them for this point. The Dallas Cowboys talked about we wanted to be in the big game. We wanted to win the big games. We wanted to change the narrative of us losing on the big games. Well, it starts today. Everything you've done so, so far in this season means nothing if they don't get the job done today. And I think this 21-2021 version of the Dallas Cowboys is different. And I'm big on them winning today on the road. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's very close. Like, the way the Cowboys are playing this year, I can't, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to, you know, refute that argument. That's a that's a high possibility, especially in this game, the way Kansas City started the season. They can be had. You know, however, I just, I just, I just love the momentum, the momentum that they have right now. And even though they have been going against inferior opponents, that confidence get, will can sometimes prepare you for a bigger opponent in which they're going to against the Cowboys. And I expect them to show up and play well, get, get some favorable calls, uh, potentially down the stretch, uh, being at home, and also be able to make plays that make those four or five game deciding plays at the end of the game that that can decide the fate. Absolutely. Today's NFL Sunday, and there's some teams, Mike, that I've got my eyes on. Suddenly the Rams, you know, they're, they, they're all in and winning a Super Bowl, but they've lost two straight. What a debacle that we saw on Monday Night Football. I did not see that happening, Mike. I did not see that. The 49ers really put it on him. Debo Samuels. Oh, my goodness, Mike. Debo Samuels. Here's a stat for you. Gotcha. Through his first nine games, only Jerry Rice has more receiving yards. Anytime you're in the same sentence as Jerry Rice, you know you're doing something very, very well. But now – they're, they're losers are too straight, and they're in the hot seat now for me this week. Them and also a team that I've got my eyes on, and that's the Tennessee Titans, right? Without Derrick Henry, banged up Julio Jones. You got A.J. Brown out, in and out of lap, uh, lineup. You look up, Mike, they're number one in the AFC and the standings as it stands today. If the playoffs were to start, the road through the AFC would go through Nissan, Phil, and Tennessee. Those two teams I've got my eye on because – Tennessee's battled through injuries, but the defense has kept them. The defense has kept them afloat, Mike, and they just continue to find ways to win the ball game. Meanwhile, the Rams, uh, they, they've got me, you know, concerning a little bit. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see. I guess definitely see where your trepidations are, are, are lying become because you know it's it's one thing it's one thing to get blown out, but to get blown out twice on national television back to back weeks is it, it's, it's got it's gotten tough. You know, it, it, it was interesting because. That that loss to Tennessee, it was kind of like you know, it, you know, th- we we took it as things like that happen throughout the regular season. You know, you're gonna have games where where you know the other team just has your number. But then when it happens, coming off a of bye, I believe, and then then it happens again. Uh, on the following week against you know, the San Francisco 49ers, that's when you start to raise your eyebrow and have some questions. Uh, it's, it's it's one of those situations where can can they rewrite their wrongs? Can they continue this? You can get some momentum geared up. Sometimes you start off the season so hot. That uh, uh, certain teams start to, you know, c- kind of—I don't want to say figure out—but they start to, you know, just have the one-up on you as far as as far as that middle of the season stretch goes. But the Rams is one of those situations where they have the personnel and the players. As long as they can get that momentum going into the playoffs and get a little streak going, along with obtaining uh, some home court because they want some key games early on, that that'll be the telling tale for the Rams. Absolutely, there for sure. What's caught your eye about Tennessee? They don't make no excuses. Unlike different years, Mike, the defense has stepped up. It's always been the Achilles heel of the defense, but defense has really stepped up, led by their 
great veteran Kevin Bob. The, their physicality and how they like to make teams uncomfortable on both sides of the ball, especially in the trenches. This is a physical ball club that makes you earn every yard, every every uh, you know first down, everything. You are you Philly, you really earn it, and it makes you it makes you work for it a lot more uh, from a physical perspective. Um, you know, they're really throwing out the timing of these guys' routes in the secondary. They're they're getting pressure on the quarterback. They're um they're just making plays, man. And they're, but they're being very physical in the process of doing it. Chargers and yeah. also the Browns. The Browns came this year with Super Bowl aspirations. You know about the offensive line. You know about the running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They've been banged up, nevertheless. But Baker Mayfield and this offense haven't looked the same like they looked last year with Kevin Stefanski. The defense hasn't looked good outside of Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. So you have question marks about how good this Browns team can be and how good they are. And then the Chargers, they started 4-1, and one, Mike. They've lost three of their last four. So Justin Herbert getting anointed as the next one. Uh, you haven't seen that since. So the, w- w- these two teams might need a win this week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You, they definitely do. They lost two two tough games the Chargers lost to. They lost to the Patriots and then lost to the Minnesota Vikings. But it's two very winnable games, especially with how how um, how competitive and how dominant they were to start the season. Uh, you definitely expect them to come away with a win at least one of those games. But the way they lost and the way their offense has looked, uh, it hasn't, hasn't been as dominant as it's been. So they're, they're, they're definitely a, a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a few teams just, just like that. I feel like, you know, uh, getting, getting, getting those wins, especially during this time of year, can propel them, especially along with the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, losing two straight, losing to the Giants, then losing to the Chiefs, how they lost. Though that's another one of the teams that, you know, we've seen this from Derek Carr in the past. You know, uh, quick starts, uh, starting off fast, have had people in the teams believing. Then uh, towards the middle of the season, they started to weigh out, and you, you started to see the, the Raiders for who they truly are. We'll see this week and, and, you know, the next few weeks moving forward whether or not this is a new Raiders team and if their cars turn that leaf. Yeah. Two other teams, Mike, that I think that need wins is the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, we know Lamar Jackson has had an MVP-like season last week. Going back home to Miami, back wearing his roots, didn't look the same. They blitzed them. I think that might have opened a blueprint for the NFL. I've never seen a team blitz Lamar Jackson that much that they blitzed them. And it concerns me because, Mike, it's an easy high school school read that Lamar has to make. It's zero coverage. It's It's zero man. There's no safeties in the back, all in front of the box. They know that he wants to run. They're looking to stop the run. He has to be able to hit one-on-one man-to-man coverage on the outside because there's no safety up top. There's eight men in the front, and that's what Brian Flores in Miami did, and he didn't get that read. And that concerns me. When it's zero blitz, there's no safety in the back. You got to be able to hit that home run for a deep ball. And so that concerns me. If, if that's how teams are going to play Lamar, they might have just figured him out. So I think Baltimore needs a win today, and also Buffalo. Buffalo... To me, I still think they're, they're a Super Bowl-caliber team, especially in the AFC. They're we know what they are. But offensively, they're not what they were last year. And, Mike, the teams that they've beaten this year has been the, 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 the Houston Texans. They've beat up on some bottom feeders. They beat on some teams that they're supposed to beat. They beat, the beat up on the Jets. But then they lose against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so I, I'm kind of confused about this team. They lose against the Titans, a real team. So 
I, I don't really know what the Buffalo Bills are. So the Buffalo and, 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 and also Baltimore, those two teams, I think they need a win today to solidify and make Americans know that they are one of the top teams in the AFC. Yeah, but one of the reasons why Buffalo confused you is because it's a, because they they cause a lot of confusion, and it's a very confused team. It's a team that plays up to their competition and down to their competition at the same time. You know, so you're gonna get nights like that where they lose to Jacksonville or they lose, you know, in games like that, weird games like that where they have no business losing and they're, they're taking teams for granted, and all of a sudden you give them life, and and and, and now they come. These guys are in the NFL too, no matter what their record is. They all play, they all suit up and play. These are professional ball players, so. You got to take every opponent, no matter how inferior you might think they are. You got you got to take them seriously and and understand that any given Sunday you can be knocked out. And Buffalo hasn't respected that process over the last few weeks. Hopefully they can get back to the to their mantra and, and their notion soon. Um, you know, beating the Jets last week was cool and all, but like like you said, going against those tough opponents, we need though you need to be battle tested in this regular season well, I, going I, I into the playoffs. Mike, I also think Mike last year, Stephon Dix over fifteen hundred yards receiving, led the NFL in receiving yards. What happened to Allen to Diggs? That that was a special combo. I think they need to get back to that. You saw a glimpse of that last week. He had eight receptions for 162 in that touchdown. I think they need to get back on track. That's what made yeah. Buffalo special last year. Yeah, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the key, piece, key key formulas to success. It is, is that is that connection. And when the more the more momentum they get towards the season, the the better off they'll be. But there's so many other weapons on this team now. They've expanded the weapons, and then and Josh Allen has so so, so many more uh, so many more to his repertoire. That uh, Diggs isn't always, you know, isn't getting as many targets as he was last year. He's not going to be the, the main focal point on a night-to-night basis. Now he needs to get uh, plenty of touches. Don't don't get me wrong. However, uh, with the other weapons, well, the, the attention that he draws and the way defense is prepared for him, that always is always going to be an opportunity to open up for other receivers. And and and, and they've been playing pretty well so far. Had, had lapses, had moments where, like the last few weeks or so, where they haven't. But um, for the most part, they, they start off the season pretty solid. They have been. They have been there for sure. We'll look at Lamar. And that offense could do some damage uh, there as well um, this week. But when we're going to go ahead and catch up on our guest for this week on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live from Los our guy, Nick Hamilton, who covers the Rams and also all L.A. teams there as well. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show will be back momentarily. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 100%. 100%. So, hey, man, let's let's get right into it. Um, I, I, we On our last segment, we talked about the Rams, um, how they've looked like world beaters um, to week nine. And then these last two weeks, they haven't looked themselves. Um, and, and for a team that's all in on a Super Bowl, um, what's, what's concerning the most to you for what we've seen these last two weeks? Well, obviously, I mean, you look at there's been a transition. When you look at um, – Unfortunately, the the injury to Robert. Lost him. Um, then you have to obviously adding 
you know, Odell Beckham Jr. and him getting up to speed into that very complex offense that Sean McVay has instituted. And then also, too, you have to look at the fact that, you know, you're going to get bumps and bruises along the way. Um, I think when you look at this offense, um, Matthew Stafford has his work cut out for him. I think, you know, the the Rams have been brought back down to earth, as they say. They look fantastic the first, you know, several weeks of the season. Um, But I think also, too, the defense. I think when you look at not just the interior defense, but the secondary, everybody not named Jalen Ramsey. Um, Guys have got to step up. Guys have got to start doing their due diligence as far as being able to cover properly and, and their ability to, to really stop the, the run or slow down the run effectively. I think what we saw against the 49ers in, in Santa Clara on Monday night, we saw they had a terrible time, you know, defending and stopping the run. Um, and that's where the 49ers were able to be able to, to capitalize on that, you know, namely Debo Samuels um, and be able to, to be effective. And I think the Rams have to really buckle down and settle down and really hone in on what their defense is really about, which is stopping the run, creating a pass rush, and the secondary is going to have to step up again, not name Jalen Ramsey. Um, but I've always said to me, too, you, you see little bits and pieces um, of what this team could be effective. You've seen bits and pieces of what this team could be, um, but they just all have to put it together in a way that, is going to be effective moving forward. I mean, they, they, they we haven't really seen a team play some effective football on both sides of the ball since the Buccaneers game, when they really played all four quarters of defense, offense, and special teams. Um, and since then, they really have had a, a quality win against a, a winning franchise. Um, so I think that this bye week has come at a great time, and them being able to really regroup, recharge, have some new guys like Von Miller come in, kind of continue to learn the defense. And then, too, you know, Sean McVay is going to have to kind of relinquish the reins on, on the play calling duties, you know, allow, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell, Thomas Brown, and some of his coordinators to really start calling more plays. Yeah, definitely, definitely for sure. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, for all uh, yeah, how about the um, Nick, how about the LA Chargers, the, the other the other LA team? They've struggled the, the last few weeks with, with a big loss at home to the Minnesota Vikings, the loss at home to the Chargers. Back to back weeks, talk to me about the LA Chargers team and, and what you've seen and, and that that's caused some of their struggles. Well, I think this Chargers team. I mean, they've dealt with some injuries on their defense. You know, Michael Davis, Nazir Adderley. Um, you know, they had a situation with Drew Tranquil. Um, you know, guys have been in and out of the lineup. So when you got guys coming in and out of the lineup, that kind of breaks the continuity when it comes to really buckling down defensively. Because I've always said from day one, I think this team's identity is really going to be through their defense. We all know how, how good Justin Herbert is and has been. Um, but I think the identity of this team is going to be through their defense. But they got to remain healthy. Uh, even to even Sunday, uh, we got Drew Tranquil uh, back. You got, you know, Joey Bosa coming off the COVID list, uh, which is going to be very helpful against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But guys have got to stay healthy and, and really stay off the COVID list if they can um, to be able to really build that, continue to build that chemistry and that continuity. I think offensively, when you look at what Justin Herbert has done, um, you know, the offensive line continues to get to, to build, and but they have to have the ability to hold and they have to have allowed Justin to really get the ball off, whether that's to Austin Eckler in the backfield, whether that's to Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, um, and then searching for that third target, whoever that may be, 
whether it be Jalen Guyton, whether it be someone else, they have to identify who that third target is going to be. Um, I like what I've seen out of Larry Roundtree, but I also have to question the playmaking of Joe Lombardi. And does he have the, the personnel in order to make his play calling effective moving forward, especially as the Chargers continue to move the change because they've been struggling in that red zone. Um, when they've had opportunities to score, they've struggled. They've either come up with a field goal or come up, you know, lower than a worm's belly when it comes to not being able to, to, to score. And that's going to be a problem when you're going up against opponents like the Minnesotas and, and, and you know, those teams like that. So they're going to have to really, you know, get, get it together. Um, they have about seven to eight games remaining in the season. Um, so, you know, Pittsburgh is not going to be an easy, an easy fix. Uh, then they got some tough games up against the Kansas City Chiefs who seem like they're trying to find their way as far as back into the win column and trying to, you know, regroup their troops. Um, so it's going to be a difficult stretch down this, down this, uh, you know, for the rest of the season, especially in the AFC West. Um, and they go up against the, you know, the Denver Broncos a couple of times this year. So, uh, the, the, you know, the Chargers going to have to take it one game at a time. They're going to have to continue to stay healthy. Justin Herbert is going to have to at least get 300 plus yards when they've been effective with him, either throwing the football or even rushing the football, they've been effective. Um, but they're going to have to, they, that O-line has got to buy him a lot more time than they've been in the last few games. Yeah. Something that's caught my eye. They started four and one and lost three of their last four. Um, talk to me about their, their coach, um, Staley and the continuity that he has with Justin Herbert. That is very aggressive. He's not afraid to go on it on fourth and eight and fourth and nine. You talked about the struggles on the red zone. Well, why has that happened? Do, do you think that it is that because of his aggressive play calling? Um, that a reason, or is it just a lack loss, lack performance that they have on offense? Well, I think it's, at times it's been lackluster with the penalties too. They've been racking up quite a few penalties as of late, and that's something that Keenan Allen has spoke with us over the, you know this past week. Is that listen? We got to cut down on the turnovers. We got to cut down on the penalties. Penalties have stalled out drives. They've delayed drives for them to continue to, to move it forward, and they've got to be more cognizant of that. Um, and I think that's something that they've got to make sure because they're they're frustrated. I mean, they're playing through the frustration. I know Keenan has been frustrated. He's visibly shown that. Um, and you got a guy that's got eight thousand plus yards and one of the top three receivers in the league right now. Um, you know, frustrated. And that's not a good sign. But as far as Brandon Staley is concerned, I think Staley, as he said, you know, when I asked him about the continuity and he just, you know, informed me, listen, this is a this is the first year. This is a new offense. It's a new system. Um, but guys are really bought into what Brandon Staley has said from day one. And it's going to take time to build, as he said, as we say, build this ship. Um, and it's going to take time. And the thing about it is we all live in an instantaneous society when we see something, we're like, okay, you got to keep going, got to keep going. It's like, no, every game is different. You know, calls are different. The way their approach is different. Um, but guys have truly bought into Brandon Staley. I mean, they will go to war for Brandon Staley. They will lay down their lives for Brandon Staley. That's how much they believe in this man. And because he, she's proven that, hey, you give me 100%, I give you 100%. And we'll do it together and we'll build something special here. And I think that's what they're on the course of is building something special for the long term, not so much in the micro, but in the macro. Definitely. And I think that's what that's what this team is about. And as they continue to, to move forward, I said, listen, even if they, this team doesn't win the AFC West this year, if they get to the playoffs, maybe through a wild card or what have you, and they win a playoff game 
And let's say they end up, unfortunately, may lose the next playoff, you know, uh, uh, to the next playoff opponent. It's a successful season. This is the same team that didn't even sniff the pants of the playoffs last year. So this is a huge step in the right direction if they're able to slide into the playoffs, get a playoff win, and then they build from there. And I think people have to understand that it is a process, and that's how this team is taking it. It's a process. They have some talented uh, offensive guys. I think they need to continue to build with that, need to continue to build out the offensive line. Rashawn Slater's done a phenomenal job on that O-line, being a rookie that he is. Um, But they've got to continue to, to develop you know, on both sides of the ball. And I think as they continue to move forward, um, you know, the sky's the limit for this team. And I think when you got a guy like Derwin James who can get who can get you inside and out, you have guys uh, you know, like uh like I said, Linval Joseph, you got um Joey Bosa, you have, you know, uh, Kenneth Murray, you have Drew Tranquil, you got some really heavy hitters on this defense. And uh, I think as they continue to, to move through the season and remain healthy, you're going to see some strides in this Chargers team. Definitely, definitely that good for sure. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I think Mike has left this year, but let, let's, let's get back to the Rams here, my, uh, Nick. Um, and, and this is a team, again, that I talked about Super Bowl aspirations and, and whatnot. Um, what 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 do you think the Rams have to do to remind America that they are one of the legit NFC uh, contenders? They are one of the top tier teams in the NFC, and 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 perhaps having the road through the NFC go through them. Because right now you look at the the leaderboard, they're looking up at Arizona, who's banged up, and 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 all of a sudden now the 49ers in the second half of the season maybe they can make some noise in the second half of the season. I believe that they are in the most difficult division in football. So what do you think the, the Rams have to do in the second half of the season to close out strong? You're absolutely right. They're, in, they're in probably the toughest division in football in the NFC West. But the Rams have to do one thing, which is really simple. Win games. That's it. They have three tough games coming up. After this bye week, they go, they go to Green Bay and play in the frozen tundra. They've got to get a win there somehow, some way. Then there's a trap game I like to call it against at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have to win that game, and then they go back on Monday Night Football in the desert of the sun against the Arizona Cardinals, and they have to beat the Arizona Cardinals, at least split this season with that team. If they're able to do those things and continue to move forward, they can still win this division. The division is still obtainable. It's not out of reach for the, for the Rams. Uh, that's why I think people have to keep that in perspective as well, and I think the, the Rams have kept that in perspective. Like, listen – we're, you know, we're in, a, we're in, we're still in contention. You know, they're not, you know, four and seven. Um, <laughs> they're seven and four. Um, there's a huge difference with that. A lot of teams wish they could be seven and four right now. Agreed. Um, is going to have to stop forcing the ball into situations and just read the defenses, read, let the game come to him and be able to perform at the levels that we've seen him perform at in the first four to five weeks of the season. He's going to somehow find his way to get back to that. Um, but this Rams team is definitely loaded. They still have Odell Beckham Jr. They still have Cooper Cup, who's over a thousand plus yard receiver. You still have Tyler Higby. You have D- Daryl Henderson, who could catch out the backfield. You still have Sony Michelle. You have a nice O line. Um, you have some guys that can mix it up. And then on defensively, again, an interior defense with Von Miller and, and and Aaron Donald. Give me that defense all day long. I'll take my chances with that defense. And Jalen Ramsey. 
in 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 the, in the secondary. Give me that defense all day long. I, I'll take my chances. I roll the dice with that. Absolutely, absolutely, there for sure. We know that you other you also cover the the uh, association as well with the NBA as well. It's Hollywood, and none team that is bigger than the Los Angeles Lakers. You talk about the purple and gold, and and and, and a rough start, rough start, most notably to due to injuries to the Kings. We understand that. Also, it's going to take time for them to assert Brody, uh, all formerly known as uh, Russell Westbrook, and the big three that they have with AD. So when you're looking at the Los Angeles Lakers, before we talk about the Clippers here, um, is it coaching? Is it is it the staff? Is it the team not having um, time for cohesion or chemistry? W- what are you looking for the Lakers as well? Because what I see is is a very slow team that gets beat in transition. Um, we understand that they are the oldest team in the NBA, but w- w- what are you looking at with the Los Angeles Lakers and what is attributing to their struggles thus far? Well, I look at the rotations, and that comes with coaching. I have to look at Frank Vogel for that. And Frank Vogel, people are starting to look at Frank Vogel now, which I said on another show a few, several weeks ago, don't be surprised if Frank Vogel's on a hot seat by Christmas. Because right. if the Lakers continue this pathway in which they continue to go down, even with LeBron James returning against you know the Boston Celtics and they're getting blown out by 20 or more, that's a problem. Yeah, and Laker fans, yes, they're hitting the panic button. Because one thing you do not do is lose to the rival Celtics. You can you can go you can go two and eighty. Those two wins better come against the Boston Celtics, if nothing else. Uh, you cannot go down to Boston to play significant minutes in that game. Yes, he returned from a domino strain who had been out for several and uh, he for looked a few good, weeks. Nick. Yeah, he looked he looked well, um, but the continuity and the lack of continuity, and as I said before. This Russell Westbrook experiment is not going to be well. Everybody counted the Lakers and saying, oh, the Lakers are going to be the one in the West. You know, they're going to win the championship. Yada, yada. I said, oh, slow your roll like your leg was broken. Hold on. Just a minute. <laughs> Wait yeah. a minute. Let's, yeah. let's, not, let's not disrespect the rest of the teams in the West or the East, for that matter. And then how do we know this is going to work? Because traditionally, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook's game has not been conducive to the way that the Lakers like to play basketball and how they like the flow and to me i thought it was a huge mistake to acquire russell westbrook over someone like a buddy hill or continue to surround lebron with shooters because traditionally as we watched from 2012 until current lebron james has gotten further and further away from the basket and so you got to surround lebron with shooters when you surrounded lebron with shooters would have been the results this man has won championships or at least guided his team into contention for a championship and when you don't do that we see the results of what happened as well the other thing is anthony davis has got to be healthy and i've also said that as well in order for to have a, a, a fighting chance for this experiment to work anthony davis is the glue to keep all of this together if he if he's not playing at top-notch potential if he's not on the floor for whatever reason this is going to be a serious problem and now we're seeing people starting to freak out, saying, hey, should we trade Russell Westbrook or should we get rid of Frank Vogel? The yes. two are not they're not far off. Now, I'm not saying trading Westbrook would be the end-all, do-all to their woes, but it depends on who you trade Westbrook for if you decide to do that. Second thing is, okay, let's say you do get rid of Frank Vogel. Who's going to slide into that, that main seat to continue to coach this team? 
right? Yeah. Now they have some great assistants. Um, but I think David Fisdale, if they did get rid of Frank Vogel, I think David Fisdale will, will create a different type of system that could be productive for the Lakers, but would it be productive for Russell Westbrook? We have yet to see Russell, LeBron, and AD play in a cohesive system where it's beneficial. We've seen peaks and valleys of it, but we haven't seen that consistently because I don't think it's going to work. Look, I mean, Russell Westbrook is a yes, he's a triple double machine, but he's also a turnover machine. Yeah, turnover machine, correct. And he is a he is a two guard looking to play point. Excuse me, he's a point guard, you know, who who plays the two guard position, basically. Excuse me, and that's all. He's exciting to watch. He brings a lot of energy to the floor. He brings a lot of excitement to the floor. But that doesn't necessarily evolve into a championship. There's a reason why Russell Westbrook has yet to win a championship. There's a reason why Russell Westbrook has gone to several different teams in the last few years. Right. Definitely. Definitely. There's a reason for that. And a lot of times, just because it looks good on paper, doesn't mean that it's going to equate on the court. Because the Golden State Warriors are looking, have found their way. And we have yet to see a healthy Clay Thompson who's scheduled to return sometime next month. So when that comes into the fold, I'm saying don't sleep on the Golden State Warriors. Don't sleep on the other Western Conference teams. You know, don't just circle around the Lakers because the Lakers have to figure it out. They have to figure out what their identity is. I think the identity has been a huge issue. Who are the L.A. Lakers? We know who the Golden State Warriors are. They, we, we pretty much know who they are. And we're, good, we're going to get to know who they are as they move forward and bring back Clay Thompson, who's going to be back in the lineup. And if they stay healthy, they're going to be very, very dangerous down the stretch. I agree. I agree there for sure. To me right now, they're the team to be in the, uh, in the West. In fact, you might make an argument they're the team to be in the entire association right now. But um, And I would agree with you. I've been on the stance as well. I said that this, this Russell Westbrook experiment – I, I, I'm not saying that the, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be bums, but come playoff time in a seven-game series, coaches are going to have schemes to game plan for that because I don't know if LeBron and Russell Westbrook needs uh, can, can, can basically have that type of chemistry and, and mesh with each other. Both needs the ball, right? Are you going to run the offense through LeBron or are you going to run the offense through Russell Westbrook? You have to make a decision on that and. I think that that's something that they haven't figured out yet as well. But my question here to you is you talked about how loaded the Western Conference is. You've got Utah. You've got Denver. You've got the Golden State Warriors right now who look like a machine. You, you can't ignore Dallas or also um, uh, other teams that they have over where like the Grizzlies. So to me, uh, and, and what I'm seeing right now is we're probably going to see another scenario like we saw last year, the Lakers get into – uh, play-in tournament spot to make it into the playoffs. Are you seeing the same thing? Are you buying into that? That's a possibility. Again, I think this is a full 82-game season. Um, so, you know, people say, well, it's just 10 extra games. Well, 10 extra games can make a difference between seeding. Um, and, and I think it's still early. We haven't even hit the Christmas deadline yet. Um, so I think there's still time. I won't say they're going to be in the play-in tournament. I think they'll be in the six, you know, top six. I think they'll be one of the six seeds. Um, unless, you know, again, if AD gets hurt or Russell gets hurt or, you know, LeBron gets a, a nagging injury again, um, then you may see them slip into that play-in spot. 
Um, but you also can't count out the Phoenix Suns too. The Phoenix Suns. Oh, the Phoenix are, Suns are world beaters right now. The Phoenix Suns are our team to be reckoned with. I know that they're, they're being they're doing it very quietly, and people are not really focusing in on them. But the Phoenix Suns are a team to be to be reckoned with as well. Um, this is a team that has also gone through a lot of off the court situations concerning their owners. So that's a distraction in itself. Um, and then you got guys that are trying to come back. You know, DeAndre Ayton's wanting a new contract. They denied him a new deal. Uh, so, you know, DeAndre Ayton has some fuel in, 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 in the tank to, to kind of burn off and, and, and showcase. And so, you know, this is going to be a very, very uh, challenging Phoenix Suns team. Same team that's gotten to the NBA Finals and came up a, a couple of games short of winning a championship. Um, so this is a team to also look out for. Uh, you mentioned that you mentioned Denver. You mentioned also, you know, the Utah Jazz. And I think the Utah Jazz are a fantastic regular season team. But what can they do in the playoffs that's going to get them over the hump? I love right. Spider Mitchell. I think Spider Mitchell is special, but he's going to have to get some help. He's going to have to have guys step in consistently, whether that be Joe Ingles, whether that be whomever on that floor that's going to be able to give him some help and the needed boost that he needs to get over that hump. Much how we, much like how we saw the Clippers last season get finally get over the hump and for the first time in, in franchise history get to the Western Conference, get to the Western Conference Finals on the shoulders of Paul George. So can Spider Mitchell, you know, emulate the same thing for his franchise to try to get them to the Western Conference Finals? Um, that remains to be seen. But you have a lot of tough teams. You got the L.A. Clippers. I know they blew a, 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 a huge lead against the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, goodness gracious! I think the Monstars stole their stole their thunder uh, <laughs> and stole their their skills because there's no way in the world you lose to the, the the one of the worst teams in the NBA, the New Orleans Pelicans, and they didn't even have Zion Williamson. Um, right. So I mean, you're gonna have those nights and you're gonna have those those moments. Um, where guys have got to step up, but it's a long season. It's a very grueling season. And, uh, you know, those the, the, the team that stays the healthiest and off the COVID list is going to be the team to be reckoned with when it's all absolutely. said and done. Absolutely. Absolutely. There as well. Let's talk about the other team that's bought a brand new billion dollar uh, uh, building. Right. Um, under the under the instruction of uh, Steve Ballmer, uh, the other L.A. team, the Los Angeles Clippers. One thing that's caught my eye is Paul George. Right. We, we, Paul George, an all star caliber player. He's also been an all-NBA performer. We know what type of player that he is. He's been dynamic. He's been special, especially in the absence of Kawhi Leonard. We'll see when Kawhi Leonard uh, comes back. I believe he's a top-fourth player when healthy in the NBA. So the Clippers, they've been steady. They've also had their hiccups here and there. But I, I think they're, they're trying to be steady in hopes that they do get the claw back sometime in the next coming year this season so when you're looking at the los angeles clippers what stood out to you and what are some things that you think they need to address well definitely mp mvpg i like to call him better known as paul george i think when you look at what paul george has been able to do he, he's shaking off a lot of the stereotypical jokes that have been you know placed upon him he rose to the occasion as i mentioned you know last season got a franchise to the western conference finals came up a couple of games short again without having Kawhi Leonard uh, to, to really, you know, balance out that attack. So when you got a guy that's starting off again without Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's been playing some phenomenal basketball. Um, but I think guys have got to consistently continue to step up. Reggie Jackson, you know, Ivica Zubak, um, 
you know, guys like that, uh, you know, Nico, you know, Nico Batum, guys have got to consistently step up and, and really play that type of defense that we've seen them play on the Ty, Ty Lue system. Um, I, I think I know Sergi Baca is on the verge of, of returning, which is going to be a huge help for them. Um, but you have a lot of guys uh, that just have to continue to, to, to build that chemistry. You know, injuries do hurt um, and, and they do affect at times do affect the continuity of the team. Um, so once they get all their troops back, I'm not concerned with the Clippers. I think the Clippers will navigate their way through it. I think Paul George will continue to, uh, you know, lead the lead the brigade and get this team back on the on, onto their winning ways. Um, I think the Clippers are a team that is a, is going to be a scary team in the playoffs because you don't know which team, you know, is going to show up. Um, we yeah. don't know when Kawhi Leonard is going to return. No one knows that date. I don't care how many rumors have come out there or quote-unquote sources have said. The only people right. that know when Kawhi is coming back is Kawhi and Uncle Dennis. Unless those two, <laughs> one of those two people talk, we don't know when Kawhi is coming back. And the, and the team is, is, you know, pretty much, you know, acting like, hey, Kawhi, we, Kawhi may not come back this season. We're not focused on Kawhi coming back this season. If he does, great. You know, that's an added, that's a boost in the arm. If he doesn't, we still have to play these games that are in front of us, and we're still responsible for capture, for you know capturing wins on the floor. And so they're focused on that. They're not focused on Kawhi's return. They would love to have him back, of course, but they're not focused on it where it becomes a distraction. And I think that's the sign of maturity that we've seen, not only from Paul George or the coaching staff, but from this team as a whole. Um, they understand the responsibility. They're looking to get back to the Western Conference Finals this year. Um, and if they stay healthy and the things, you know, swing their way, we could see them back in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and they like flying under the radar. Not a lot of people were talking about them when they were going on that seven, you know, that seven game winning streak. Everything was focused on the Lakers. What's wrong with the Lakers? What's going on with the Lakers? And the Clippers were steady winning games. And very few people were speaking about them. And I think they prefer that. They like going under the radar. They know they're the underdog in the city. They know they're the underdog, and they prefer that way. But they seem like they play their best basketball most times when their backs are against the wall. And that's what we, we're going to continue to see. We're going to see, you know, productive, gritty-type basketball um, on the floor. Be there for sure. We'll see what the Clippers look like once they get their catalyst and their leader back. And Kawhi Leonard. This is our favorite part of the show, Nick, where our first time guest, we got to get into the personal life of, of what they oh, do outside man. of sports. Just kind of get a feel <laughs> of what they do, you know what I'm saying? Outside the hardwood, outside of the turf, kind of get to know who you are as a person. It's, it's a simple game. It's a three-part game. It's this or that. We give you scenario-like questions. Um, we let tell you to pick this or pick that. Or we'll play another game, and it's called fill in the blank. We'll start off with a sentence and we'll let you end it. So I'm going to go ahead and start off here. I know you are a Southern L.A. guy here for sure, so I'm going to let you hit it. Who's been more of an impact to you, Ice Cube or Nipsey? Mm. I'm going to have to go with both. Ah, both. Interesting. Ice Cube me, because, yeah. yeah. Okay. I would, ha I would have to say Ice Cube, obviously growing up, you know, we grew, I grew up on Ice Cube in the 90s. Um, his impact, just from a musical standpoint, the stance that he took, what we, he, he was really the pulse of the city. Um, when, his, when he, And he spoke it in his music. Nipsey, because you saw the next generation and what Nipsey was taking it to the next level before his assassination. Um, 
So I would have to say both in that regard. So God bless the dead. Rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Definitely, definitely, definitely sure. Go ahead, Mike. Let's <clears throat> so let's go this and that. Um your more more um I guess enjoyable to watch growing up. Uh Kobe Bryant or Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, Kobe Bryant. Okay. Kobe Bryant, the the the, the, the black mama for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely uh, uh, agree with that there as well. Also, the diesel, diesel was nasty there as well. Um, you, you, you just outside of Calabasas or Inglewood. Talk to me about this, man. You had a chance to get a house built on top of one of those nice cliffs in the Pacific Ocean or one of those nice hills just on top of Huntington Beach. Which one would you like? Oh man, I'm gonna stay on. I'm gonna stay on one of the cliffs off the ocean. I'm gonna probably say Palos Verdes or you know Malibu, something like that. Uh, definitely, there go, there. go ahead, Mike. Oh man, that's right. Um, L.A. L.A. nightlife or or like you know chill for chill vibes, like more you know more of a kickback type person. Like you, one of those crazy crazy nights in L.A. where you enjoy those crazy nights, or or you somebody that likes. You know, to enjoy, to enjoy, enjoy the chill nights where you just kick back vibing. You there, Nick? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, did you hear the question? No, you, you repeat the question. I'm sorry. LA, 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 LA nightlife, like crazy nightlife, like, you know, partying, going crazy club life, or are you more like a kickback person? Like uh, chill vibe. You know what? It depends on the mood, man. You know, Super Bowl week, I'm going to be out here in these streets <laughs> enjoying some of the, the, the nightlife activities. But then there's times where I just want to chill out at home because I've been ripping and running and moving all around the country. So, right. you know, it just depends on the vibe, man. It just depends on the mood. I can do both. Um, just Obviously, it just depends on the mood. Definitely. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Uh, what type of guy are you? Um, would you like to have... Um, date night with wine at home or brunch with some of your boys? Oh, date night wine at home with a beautiful young lady. My boys can <laughs> they, they, we catch up later. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. Solid question. Go ahead, Mike. What do you What do you prefer? Um, oh, I just had the question. I lost it that fast. What do you What do you prefer? Um, when it comes to it's not. It's not really. It's not really a this or that question. More so, a East Coast or West Coast as far as living. Oh, West Coast to the casket drops. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I could I'm born that. and raised out here, man. I'm born and raised out here. I love. I love my city, even though my city gets on my nerves sometimes. But I still love my city nonetheless. Yeah, you got to rep it. You got to rep it. Blank question. This is a fill in the blank question. If I had a chance to be the GM of blank franchise, the franchise would be what? If I had a chance to be the GM of let's see, if I had a chance to be the GM of the Los Angeles Chargers. Ooh. Los Angeles Chargers over the Rams. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Rams. The Rams have, I believe. I mean, I like the GM for the charge. I think Telesco is a, is, a, is a good GM. But if I had a chance between the two, I, I would probably want to be the GM of the Chargers, just because it's a little bit more challenging. 
interesting. The Rams are in great hands. I love Les Snead. Les Snead's a great GM. Awesome. If you can master, if you, if you can, if you can master two other languages outside of English, you know, which, which one, which ones would you prefer? Oh, Spanish, Spanish, and and Mandarin. Mandarin. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, the great. Those those are great ones. Those are very great ones. Um, overrated or underrated? This is a very good question right here. Overrated or underrated year? Jamal Murray. Underrated. I would agree. Mm. I would agree. I would agree there as well. You, we, we know what type of guy he is when, when Jokic, they run that 1-5 pick and roll with, with, with the Joker. Oh, man, I, it's, I would it's agree. nasty. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Go there, Mike. Overrated, overrated or underrated? Russell Westbrook with the Lakers. Overrated. Next question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, that, that actually wraps up our, our, our great segment here with Nick, my man. Definitely got to catch up to you once we hit the, the, the shores of the West Coast. There for sure. Mike, Mike and I are planning to be there um, in the second week of February for the yes, Super Bowl. Sir. So let's hope that we catch up there, there as well. Yes, Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for, for having me on your show, man. I appreciate it. Continue success. Um, and make sure that you are, everybody listening, checks out nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T-M-E-D-I-A.com. Uh, hit me up on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. You can follow me also on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Absolutely. Nick is doing some great stuff, folks. Definitely contact and follow him on his journey here with us in all things LA. We'll go ahead and put the links and also the username in the description box below on this pod there. But for myself and, and Mike, it's a pleasure, man. We definitely got to catch up. No doubt about that. Peace Absolutely, man. Peace and love to you, you brother. It was good, good catching up with you, man. Hope to see you soon. Hey, absolutely, man. Great talking to you guys as well, man. Let's, let's wrap. Absolutely. Sure. Folks, when we come back, we'll go ahead and wrap things up in this great episode on episode four. We'll finish things off with Mike's closing arguments. The Sebi Podcast Show, only heard and streamed here on WNSC Radio. And we are back here on our third and final segment today on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. That was a great, great segment there um, with Nick. Um, uh, talking all things LA there, Mike. I don't know, we lost you a little bit there, but that was a great conversation that we had. Yeah, it was dope. Just listening to him being able to break down the, you know, the, break down the science of everything LA sports and just, just, just talking about the struggles of some of the teams right now, just breaking them down from the inside perspective is always dope. And he's very knowledgeable about what's going on out there, so. Yeah, it was dope having them all. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure. We won't keep long in, in today's conversation, but Mike lets you lead the brigade. This is the time that you make your closing arguments. Yes, sir. I want to I want to stay NBA NBA here this time, Sevy. I want to talk about the rule changing, the efficiency of the scoring of these players in the in today's game, the top scorers and all around. And uh, I just want to talk about some of the some of some of the rule, the rule changes and how it's affected some of these players from a scoring perspective. Efficiency-wise, is really hampering with a lot of these guys because it's something that analytics is paying. Analytics harp on efficiency 
big time around 2015 or so. That's when statistics and field goal percentages started to, uh, uh, in the media started to get a lot of uh, notoriety and then some. And they expounded and then some. Well, now you have a situation where these new rules of the, 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 the not, we're not jumping into a foul from the three-point shot. Uh, just, just basically allowing these guys to put their skill set on display and get an, actual, get an actual bucket. The game has always been about putting the ball in the hole. And instead of trying to manipulate the refs, you have to put the ball in the hole. Well, the, the NBA caught up on that, and you're starting to see some of the players and some of the top scorers that have been over the last few years. They've struggled to adapt to this new rule to start the season. It's going to be very interesting to see some of the top scorers, like uh, potentially Trey Young, a James Harden who's getting his, getting his feet right, guys like that who benefited from this rule over the years. We're seeing how they, they're going to adjust to this new league and how they're going to continue to be efficient and get, and get their rocks off like that because the natural bread scorers that have always played this game and always been about getting a bucket, this isn't hindering their game. When you think about a Carmelo Anthony, he's always going to be a bucket because of how he plays. He's not manipulating. He's not worried about the referees. He's worried about putting the ball in the hole. Kevin Durant. He's going to put the ball in the hole. So you always so you have guys like this, natural bread scorers. Kyrie Irving would have been somebody. If he was playing right now, Sebi, these new rules wouldn't have affected him because he was never somebody that uh, lived at the free throw line. He was never somebody that, 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 that relied on the referees consistently to get calls. Steph Curry, obviously, we know how elite he is as a scorer. He's playing lights out. The natural bread scorers, we're starting to see. We're, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these top scorers, the young scorers especially, adapt to these new rules over time throughout an 82-game season and how they'll propel themselves and stay in that mark and that hunt of who really is the top scorers in this game. Definitely, definitely, definitely for sure. That's going to be very, very interesting. I agree with you, Mike. All that stuff is going to be very interesting to see all the players like – a little bit of Devin Booker as well. He's another guy who likes to manipulate and draw contact and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we know about uh, <laughs> we know about the, the guy that that leads the charge in James Harden and also Trey Young there as well. Luka Doncic is also a guy is there, like that as well. So we're going to see how those rules that used to enable those guys to get and live in the foul line. Now that they've eliminated that, we're going to see how that really affects their game. Definitely there for sure. That wraps it up on a special edition on a Sunday afternoon of our great show, Mike. And we'll see you guys next week. Hey, everyone. We're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our itunes and spotify and remember you can stay locked in here and connected sebipodcast.info link for the latest news articles interviews and much more and remember wherever you're listening on air or online the sebi podcast is wherever you go